Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Murderboard Podcast. I am your host, Walter, and tonight I am joined with Zaria. Hi. And back for another episode, my mom, April. Oh, that. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> yeah, there we Hi. go. Hi. <laughs> yes, yes. And tonight, if you haven't read the episode title, we are talking about Saw, the original from 2004. So if you have not seen this movie, this is your spoiler warning. I don't know if you how you could not have seen this movie, but this is your spoiler warning still. And um, if you know if you have seen the movie, enjoy the episode. We're glad that you're listening. I said it all wrong, but it doesn't matter. Um, before we talk about Saw, though, I do want to get into some recent horror news, mainly Scream, because Scream is a big part of me and this podcast. And funny enough, it will connect back to Saw in a in, a, in an interesting way. Um, but yeah, so first of all, welcome back. I love having you two on, and I think this is the first time I have you two on specifically. Um, so yeah, thanks. Yes, we have. Um, yeah, we've done an episode with Roderick. Fun fact: Roderick is no longer uh, doing episodes as of right now. He's kind of off doing his own thing. But it was fun having mm-hmm. him. But yeah, he wishes us the best. Um, we wish him the best. Yes. Right. Yes, exactly. He's got some stuff going on. He's 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 doing really good. All right, so uh, I did want to start. Well, number one, we're starting a new series, guys. If you haven't noticed, Saw. We took a bit of a break in between stuff. You know, I'm, my recording schedule and release schedule is still out of whack, but we're getting we're getting on track still. So we're starting the Saw franchise, something we've been talking about since really the podcast started. Um, a, you know, a good friend of ours, Savannah. She's done the podcast in the past. Hopefully I can get her back for these future episodes, but she's a huge fan of Saw as well. It's the only series with multiple sequels she actually pays attention to. And as I've mentioned in the past, my own mom is a huge fan of Saw, and she's going to be here to tell us all about it. Um, but before we get into that, I do want to get into the big Scream stuff that's been happening. Number one, Scream 6 came out earlier this spring, back in March, um, and it did really well in the box office. It's the highest grossing Scream film out of all of the films in the franchise. But it's gotten some backlash. The fans are pretty split down the middle on it. And not in the same way Scream 5 was. Like, people kind of celebrated Scream 5 as a whole. But there were still people that was like, yeah, we were looking, we were expecting something, you know, different. Or, you know, oh, this is the best Scream film since, you know, the first movie. But Scream 6 actually has haters on it. And it's, and it's really weird. It's a really weird time to be a Scream fan. But just to kind of relay the things that I've been witnessing as far as like on Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. So a lot of people who there are people that like scream. I'm, I myself really did love scream six. It's one of my favorite of the sequels. It's like, if I'm to rank it, I think I did rank it when we did the episode Zarya, but it's like in the middle, kind of above scream two for me. Like they kind of go back and forth now, but there are people out there who were just not satisfied with scream six. And it's kind of disappointing. And a lot of them think that the, script is kind of lacking it's not it's lacking some of the emotional aspects of screen that people come to expect which is fair but i kind of revolt back into my halloween versus halloween kills type of thing where and i think i've said this before but like for me when it comes to franchises especially franchises that are being reborn as requels um i'm more inclined to like the sequels more because people experiment a little bit better Rather than watching the, the you know the initial reboot or re- requel of those movies, because eventually re- I can appreciate it, but it just comes down to the fact that this is just the same movie, just done in a modern way. You no, know, again, Halloween, uh, twenty eighteen, 
basically the same movie as the Halloween 1978. You know, we talked about Star Wars briefly. Force Awakens is just Star Wars again. And so Scream 5, it does well to be a sequel to the first movie. But if I'm being honest, it is just the first movie again with some twists and turns here. While Scream 6, Halloween Kills, The Last Jedi are movies that take really big leaps, in my opinion. You know, we talked about Halloween Kills um, last year, and I really enjoyed the fact that it's just Michael Myers just ripping through a town and uh, there's a mob mm-hmm. after him. And so Scream 6 is kind of the same way. I'm, we all seen Scream 6 here, right? Like, Zarya, I know you're with us. Mom, you've seen Scream 6, right? That was my birthday gift to myself. I did. Yes. You know, Ghostface in New York. I loved it. Yeah. I've rewatched it a few times since theaters, actually. And, you know, I... I've watched it a few times, too, because it, get, it came to Amazon Prime pretty fast. Yeah. I was like, that was quick. Yeah, definitely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, And I'm, that's heartbreaking that there that that was the reaction to cream scream six i didn't i didn't realize that like are they serious like that was like one of the that reignited my passion for scream are you serious how could they say that and again what's wrong with it it's just like fandom type stuff it's not as drastic as like the hate from star wars force awakens to star wars the last jedi but like it is people out there that are like you know it's just oh i thought it was phenomenal but the whole the train scene was oh that was the best man i love the apartment uh, yeah scene as well but i do understand really? where people are coming from there are definitely hot spots in the movie rewatching it where the writing could have been tightened up you know gail is kind of just in the movie to be in the movie <laughs> but, yeah you know, but it's still i think it's still a good it's still a good enough movie like if you were to ask me which one I wanted to watch, I mean, honestly, I would watch Scream 6 more than I would probably watch Scream 2 now or even Scream 3. Yeah. And I've come to really appreciate Scream 3. And for the longest time, that was the one people hated on. Then it was Scream 4. Scream 4 is my baby, so I'm going to always go up for that one. But uh, <laughs> yeah, 5 was the one I didn't care for. Out of, I love them all, but 5 was like, what? What? Yeah, I re- yeah, I remember we talked a long time on the phone about your reaction to Scream 5. And at that point, I was mm-hmm. like, I liked it. It's, it's fun. But yeah. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, six was like, my reaction to Six was like how it was when I seen the very first one. Like, I loved how they did this one. Yeah, we finally got three killers. They all kind of work together. Finally, Ghostface isn't killing each other. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. I love how brutal and fast, you know, this ghost face didn't fall at at any point in the movie. Like, this was a pretty sturdy <laughs> ghost face. He didn't get hit in the balls or anything, you know. And I, I like Scream 6 a lot. It's very different. It says a lot visually, in my opinion. But I do understand yeah. people are wanting more of that connective tissue. So what I've noticed that there are a lot of fans who are strictly fans of the original trilogy. And if you go back to the original trilogy or even our reviews of it, I do try and point out that the thread line between one, two, and three is Sydney's mom. It's Maureen Prescott. She is a thread, uh-huh. she's a theme. So in these newer movies, we have Sam and Tara, and their thread line is Billy Loomis, which I guess is really uh-huh. hard to form that story. And so I do understand that people aren't as emotionally attached to Billy Loomis, one, because we know almost everything about him. He's not a mystery. So the mystery is just, is, is Sam going to be Ghostface at some point or not? And so it um, comes the question of, like, what do you do with Sam? It, I say, I've always had the impression, and I think I'm, I'm wrong. I don't think so. But if I were writing Scream 7, and we'll get into where, because Scream 7 is now official, but 
if I were writing Scream 7, I think the natural step for Ghostface, if we are keeping in that meta aspect, is that Ghostface now needs to become an urban legend. And this is where I connect it back mm. to Saw, because by the time we got Saw 5 and 6, John Kramer it became an urban legend. People were like, oh, Jigsaw Killer? He's gone. He's dead. We don't, and then mm-hmm. out of nowhere, people are getting kidnapped again. <laughs> right. And so I think that the natural, you know, you want to start drawing, you know, for requels, there's, it's a different type of thing. But if you want to keep the franchise going or at least have an end capper to the Ghostface figure, I do think people, fans and the, the, the writers and people behind Scream need to start focusing on the fact that, yeah, Sydney was very important. Maureen was very important, but we're kind of undermining the, the impact of Ghostface. And I think them trying to, we're constantly unmasking Ghostface, but I think Ghostface is kind of the face of the franchise next to Sydney. And so now yeah. that we don't have Sydney anymore, we have Sam and Tara. I do think if you want to elevate Sam's kind of story arc, which is what these movies are about, elevated horror, you you kind of need to have Ghostface be immortalized in a way. Like you can still have the villain lose, but the the twist of that being is that the villain lives on. And so my idea was always going since Scream 5 is that, well, if you want to end this, either Sam dies or Tara dies or, you know, she mm. Sam becomes Ghostface, but in a different kind of way. So eventually Sam would become this like vigilante Batman Ghostface, if that makes sense. Like she's Ghostface going after other people planning to be Ghostface. And that's kind of what we got at the beginning of scene of Scream 6, just not with Sam. And now I'm thinking like, well... That, in a way, that way Ghostface becomes an urban legend, and so people recognize the moniker of it and are still scared of it, but it's someone else behind the mask going after bad people. But what do we think about I would that? actually like to see that. Yeah. Zari? I think that would be, I mean, be kind of cool. Like, by the seventh movie, yeah, I feel like, yeah, Ghostface could be an urban legend now, because it's like, well, this has happened, like, seven times, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I, I love a, yeah i i love a long running franchise like i do not mind people going sequels after sequels because we always have other movies that we like in the franchise you know but you know scream seven i think is we have a good trilogy i'm good with taking a, a good you know another 10 year to 20 year break between movies especially franchises one we, we need horror with scream it's all about the evolution of horror for for most fans and so you need the horror genre to el- you know, evolve or devolve in order to say something about it. Um, so, yeah. yeah, moving over to the new Scream 7 news. So last week we did get, well, it was started off as rumors. And, you know, there are scoopers out there, people who do that for a living and try and get information from studios. And so the big thing was that um, after Scream 6 premiered, you know, the directors known as Radio Silence, the duo, they did go on to start filming another movie. It's a monster movie with uh, Melissa Barrera, who plays Sam in the Scream movies. And they have other movies that are lined up. So people are like, well, when is Scream 7 going to come out if they're busy? And so, you know, Scream is not, uh, it's not not used to waiting a while. You know, Scream, the, the, the gap between Scream 2 and 3 is a couple years. You know, Scream, what, 2 came out in 97. Scream 3 came out in 2000. So that's a big, pretty big gap. And so Scream fans aren't, you know, not not used to that. You know, we waited 10 years for Scream 4. Um, but people are getting kind of worried because no one said anything. And so Scream uh, Scream 6 was pretty greenlit right after the success, about a month after Scream 5 premiered. 
So last week we got the rumor that okay, the original directors are leaving. They're doing something else, but they will stay on as producers. So it became who's directing. And so sorry, I gotta swallow. So the director of Scream 7 officially now is someone by the name of Christopher Landon. Now I've always known this guy because he's done a lot of stuff in the genre, mostly connected to Blumhouse. And you know, Blumhouse recently did Halloween. They have Exorcist coming up. But we all know where they started, and that was with a little little tiny film that came out around the same time as Saw, Paranormal Activity. And so Christopher mm-hmm. Landon had wrote most of the middle Paranormal Activity movies. I think he did part three, four, five, and uh, no one who liked the franchise did six. But five is one of my <laughs> favorites. Out of the, I love Paranormal Activity, by the way. Like it's I kind of uh, rag a lot on like supernatural horror movies because big slasher fan but i do love the paranormal activity series i've kind of held off doing it on this podcast because i want to have some time away from it because <laughs> i don't want to like mm-hmm. overstuff this podcast with just things i love <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah i i love paranormal activity and he did some of my favorites parts three is the best of the series in my opinion but my favorite is part five which is a major departure from the storyline it's like a spinoff but it's kind of connected but also, so I love, I love it. Christopher Landon also wrote uh, Disturbia. If you remember this movie, it's a movie with Shia LaBeouf yeah. and Viola Davis, <laughs> and it's basically Rear Window, um, but modernized. Where uh, <laughs> Shia LaBeouf plays this teenager who gets on house arrest for doing something at school, and so while he's on house arrest, he realized that his next door neighbor may be a serial killer. <laughs> and so, yeah, that was a good movie. It was a really good movie. <laughs> um. And so, yeah, he wrote that, and he also recently, he did both Happy Death Day movies, wrote and directed those, and he did Freaky, which came out a couple of years after, and that's where I trip up. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, so, I love the past stuff. I definitely love Paranormal Activity 5. I definitely like Suspiria, uh, not Suspiria, but Disturbia, but people know I'm not a huge fan of Happy Death Day. In fact, they get I love it. both of those. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I can't stand those movies. <laughs> <laughs> But I understand why people like them. In the first Happy Death Day, I think it's very scream coded. Like it's it's got that same energy. Like it's got the same mm-hmm. energy, but it's the humor. I'm not too big of a comedy. Like I, you know, people like comedy and horror together. To me, I'm very specific about it, <laughs> and so that's uh. where I kind of bump up. The comedy of Happy Death Day is close, but it is not the same kind of comedy as Scream, and that's where I'm really worried. I don't want a Scream movie filled with comedy. You know, even Scream 3 is probably the most outwardly comedic of the movies, but it's not the same kind of comedy as, like, you know, a girl jumping off an airplane (laughs) in a bikini Mm -hmm. and slamming in front of her bully (laughs) to traumatize her. But, uh, yeah, I did like Freaky, though. I did like Freaky. That has Vince Vaughn and, uh, oh, man, what's old girl's name? I can't remember, but she was recently in Ant-Man. She's really good. She was all. She was also on a really good show that I liked, uh, Big Little Lies. She played Reese Witherspoon's daughter, and they argue like champions in that show. Um, but yeah, I did I like Freaky. Yeah, Freaky is basically Friday the Thirteenth meets Freaky Friday, and it's really, yeah. it's really funny. It's really funny, but it has a much darker tone, which I liked, and it, it, the kills are really good. So I turn it to you guys. Christopher Landon directing Scream 7, knowing its background now, how do you feel? Where do you think, 
or where where does your faith lie in this new director, writer and director? I don't know if he's writing the movie, but he's a writer and director, so he's probably going to have a hand in the script. Where do you guys, you know, what are your feelings for this new person taking over the last movie of this quote unquote like new trilogy of Scream? Mm, well, looking at his history, I, I'm, I would be concerned that he won't, he will be really surface with everything and not really dig deep, you know what I'm saying? And, and as far as like the mystery part or the giving us something to solve, yes. you know what I'm saying? I feel like it would be real surface, borderline, serious spoof maybe. Mm. So that's the only thing that I would be concerned about. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, again, happy death day. I was so excited to see that movie. I saw it in theaters, and I was so mad when I got out of it because I was like, oh, this is not what they promoted at all. <laughs> like Maybe like a more serious version of happy death day is probably what it's going to look like. <laughs> I just want another screen. <laughs> but I understand what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Like, happy death day is clever. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's, it's back to the future, and I don't know. It just it really grades me. But uh, Zaria, what about you? What, what are your thoughts? Well, I like Freaky, so I'm not just like, oh my gosh, about it. Um, I feel like if like the original directors are like still like producers on the movie, um, I feel like that's a good sign that they feel like that they still like where the franchise is heading, and it's like if they jump ship, then then I'm gonna get um. <laughs> Then I would be like, uh, what's gonna ha- what's happening? Because they're not even a part of it anymore. So like, if they jump ship, that's when I'll be like, okay. Uh. But as of right now, I'm still I, I have h- high hopes, not high hopes, but um, I have hopes for him. But like it, like um, if he could still like capture like the screamness of it, I feel like he'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There's reason to have hope. Like I said, he has two of my favorite movies in his in his arsenal: Paranormal Activity three and Paranormal Activity five. Again, Disturbia is a really good movie. It's really good suspense. Just recently, because those movies came out about ten years ago, but recently we have those three examples to work off of. I will say uh, they have not around. They have not announced the writers for Scream Seven yet. So I'm holding out hope that they get the same writers, which were uh, I know one of them was James Vanderbilt. Who also did the Amazing Spider-Man movies and a few other stuff, or some other stuff, English. Um, so if they get the same writers back, I'm good. If it's him writing solo, I'm worried. But if they're working together, that can be okay. You know, and again, this is not new for the franchise. Scream Three had a different uh, writer as well, mm-hmm. same director. Wes Craven still directed, so it's not entirely different. But you know, a guy by the name of Aaron Kruger wrote Scream Three, so. You know, we're we're still we're. I mean, hey, franchise rules, franchises like that. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll keep an eye on Scream Seven and see what happens. Um, but shifting over to another franchise, Saw. What we're here to talk about? Oh my God, Jake Saw the Jigs. What am I doing? The Jigsaw Killer Saw. Wow, this movie has a long history. We're not gonna cover it on this podcast because we'd be here for four hours. Um, we're just gonna do our best to kind of sum it up. But um, like I said at the top of the podcast, mom, you are the probably the biggest Saw fan that I know from. I want you to lay it on out there. You know, what are your thoughts on Saw? Why are you such this big fan? What does Saw mean to you? You know, I just I don't I feel like it may has to do with 
this writer brings out of some people who are prone to vengeance to like vengeance in life to like seeing to to like seeing vengeance happen you know fairness um if you are that kind of person that likes things to be fair and you don't like things to be unfair and when things are unfair you like to see that punished <laughs> <laughs> so it's like this animates the psychology of people like me that like to see people punished when they do something wrong <laughs> And I love how it's like he chooses the people that come off to be like this good guy, this good girl, and this per this regular person in society doing certain things, but he's bringing out their dark side. Like, yeah, on the outer exterior, you're like this, you know, this cool doctor, or this surgeon, or, you know, you're just a regular guy that works at a hospital, no big deal, but you actually have a shadow side to you that's actually hurting people more than you think. So let's, let's talk about that. Let's show you your, let's really show you who you truly are. Let, I'm going to show you your real self, not this self that you're portraying to the world. And I believe in that in real life. <laughs> Yes. So it means a lot to me, and I really wish John Kramer was a real character because <laughs> I would so love to be his student. <laughs> yes, the universe. Like, like, if I could get away, you know how, like, the purge, if I could get away with doing this in real life, I'd totally do it. Like, I, John is not the bad guy here. He really is not. All right. His methods. Might be a little dark. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but for real, for real, he's not the bad guy here. He is the teacher. He's got a great point. Yes. Um. Really quick, do you remember the first time you see you saw see saw? You remember the first <laughs> time you saw you saw saw or you first encountered it? Like what what do you if you remember what was your first like encounter when it came to this movie? Like you know. You really want to know? I'll tell you. So when I first, first saw it, actually the first couple of times, it took me a second to see it for a second time. I actually didn't like it. Mm. I didn't understand it. And I was like, well, what is this? This is just a bunch of gore. And like, this is stupid. Like, so we just cutting people up. We just doing, doing awful things to people for no reason. Like, I actually did not like it at first. It took me a second to watch it again, and then I probably didn't finish it, and I just, I didn't care for it at all until maybe like the, the third one, and I started to understand John. I started to understand the, the, the whole theory and philosophy. When that clicked in, oh, it was over. It was <laughs> over. I said, forgive me for not understanding your heart from day one. I am so sorry. Yeah, yeah, and that third one first, is. I didn't where, like it. Yeah, that third one is where <laughs> we will cover it. That's the one where John kind of just talks throughout the entire movie. <laughs> mm -hmm. I was like, oh. I, I had like this aha moment, like, so there is a point to I get it, and once I got it, I was sold. It was over. Yeah, I said this is genius. This is absolutely genius. Ooh, I'm like smiling so hard right now. <laughs> Yeah, like this is genius. Who would have thought of this? Oh my gosh! Oh wow! All right, um, Zaria. 
So it's from my understanding. This is your first time watching this movie all the way through. Yes. So, <laughs> so same kind of question. What's your overall thoughts on the Saw franchise? You know, and do you, if you remember, what was your first time encountering it? I was little, like well, not too little. Yeah, we were. Um, like, well, I guess two thousand four. We were. Yeah, we were little. <laughs> seven. Like I was. I think I was like six, going like turning seven when the first movie came out. So little enough, but I it wasn't the first movie. It was like which one was it? Was it the third one that I saw for the first time? Hmm. I don't remember which one it was. <laughs> um but before today, um, like Saw as a franchise, I just thought it was a torture movie. And we just see these people getting tortured. Um because those are the only parts that I saw. It was always like the very hard scenes, like um, like I guess like the game portion of the movie, and because like they use a lot of sharp stuff, and just watching <laughs> just watching stuff get pierced, I feel like I feel it as well, and I hate being pierced. Like I hate needles, like <laughs> all like the sharp stuff. I, I cringe, and it makes my skin crawl, and I ah. Um, so I was like, you know what? It's not for me. But today, watching it and actually like seeing how the story goes and seeing, um, like, um, what the story is at what the actual story is, I have a new appreciation for it. Um, and I think it's 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 cool. It's alright. Yeah. All right. All right, that's nice. Lovely stories, both pretty much on opposite ends. I think I'm going to come in the middle here. So I do, my recollection of Saw when it came, when it came to me, um, it was also kind of like you, sorry. I've always known to be like, oh, it's one of these like scary torture movies. You know, growing up when we were kind of growing up, which is weird to say now, but basically that, <laughs> that period is like, you know, from like 2000, I want to say 2007 on to like 2000, uh, 2000, yeah, 2007, like 2011 ish was that whole, like, you know, in actuality, it was a, it was a nice little boom of indie horror and saw and paranormal activity kind of kicked off, kicked it off. Um, saw first and then paranormal activity came in 2007. But, uh, my first recollection of it was definitely around the time scream four was coming out, which is 2011. And if I track that, I want to say uh, the trailers were coming out that were coming out was like um, 2011 must have been soft six saw whatever one that had Megan good in it. That was the trailer I remember the most. And so I used to just okay. see it and it would just casually be on TV and I'd be like, ah, my God, what is going on? Uh, but I was never like scared. It was just more of like, I don't want to watch it, but I want to know what it's about. But um, I didn't really look into Saw until I spent the summer with my mom. And she was like, ooh, let's watch these movies. I'm like, all right, cool. And we, <laughs> marath we marathoned them all <laughs> up until like Saw 3D, I think. And I was like, watch. You got to pay attention to yeah. the story. Definitely. And so it was definitely that where I was like, okay, I'm getting it. And mom's like explaining it to me. Now, mind you, I'm still like <laughs> a teenager. So I'm like, I think I get it. 
I didn't get it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this looks cool, doesn't it? But yeah, I was I understood it a lot better as my mom was explaining it to us as we were watching it. But yeah, it was just a random day. We were like, you know, we got nothing else to do. Let's just binge all these movies. <laughs> um, but I want to say it, it was definitely a few years later where I did have sort of the same epiphany that mom had here where I kind of understood what was happening. And it was definitely, I, I feel so guilty for saying this but it happened basically there were times especially sophomore junior of high school where i would just you know especially during like the second semester we're deep in the middle of school i'm doing okay not really but i would just take time out of my day to just watch a bunch of movies in the middle of class and saw like the all of the saw movies just so happened to be on netflix and so i spent not just a week like okay if i remember i spent uh, a week watching Scream. Like I watched the movies in like a day, but I had rewatched them in a week. All I want to say up and yeah, all at that point it would have been seven. All seven Saw movies were on Netflix. I spent the entire day going class to class watching these movies <laughs> in secret. You were stuck. <laughs> yeah, I watched the first one first period, which I pretty sure I had like a one of my like free period classes. Like it was like computer or uh, uh, weight training or something like that. I had a hoodie. So I was able to hide my phone and put the headphones in. And, <laughs> and I watched the first movie. I was like, oh, I got to keep going. Went to math, saw two. Went, <laughs> went to lunch, saw three. <laughs> went to third period, saw four. And just kept going till I got on the bus. By the time I got on the bus, I was at saw six. And I was like, all right, I got one wow. more to go. Got home. There was about an hour here before uh, dad and everybody got home. Watched saw seven, saw 3D. And I was like, boom, I understand it now. <laughs> I get these movies. So real though. And I, yeah, I had the same kind of thing. Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, yeah, yeah, you really can watch a movie. And with how our schedule was, like the block schedule, you really could watch a whole movie. Yeah, all were like an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. That was some real stuff to say, though. It was real. Yeah, yeah, it was. I'm telling you, this had to be like, this was definitely during the winter where I was just, winter semester to get me. I just, I get real lazy. I can't. I'm also just like, eh, like, I'll get it done eventually. And yeah, it would, you know, but yeah, I just went ahead and just watched them all. Got home. By the time I got home, I watched the last movie. And I was like, okay, I get it now. Went straight to YouTube and just looked at a bunch of explained videos and trying to understand. Mm -hmm. the, but I got the, I ended up getting the kind of the psychology behind John. I, I was like, okay, now I understand these movies and now I can actually like report to people and be like, okay, so this is what Saw is about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, so Saw for me is not one of my favorite franchises though. Like it's one that I don't really go back to unless I want to see other people watch it, if that makes sense, kind of, sort of, like, you know, I'm, yeah, it just, it's just, you know, it's not, like, up there, but I do appreciate it a lot, and so, you know, normally I tell people, like, if you want to get into Saw, or if you want to watch Saw, definitely watch the first four, and then skip to Saw 3D, and then after, by the time Jigsaw came out, which was, like, Saw 8, I was like, well, I'm lost because I don't remember anything. <laughs> and again, my mom texts me, Jigsaw's coming out. <laughs> I was like, oh, really? Okay, cool. <laughs> and so, yeah, I do. Got the whole gift box set on DVD still. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do appreciate that this franchise keeps going. Like, I do like the fact that every couple of years they just pump out another one and it, they fit it yeah. into the timeline. <laughs> Very yes, way. and I'm glad because yeah, John, come on, man, John's got to live forever. What is going on, man? Oh man, so yeah, that's kind of our overall impressions of Saw. 
Um, let's go ahead and take our first break because I feel like if we keep talking, we'll just get into the movie. And so let's get into the movie. So we're going to take a quick break real quick. <laughs> wow, I keep talking. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to watch. Let's see. <laughs> I'm like excited. <laughs> we're going to talk about Saw from 2004. Someone there? I can hear you. Who is that? Who's in there? We're back. Let's talk about Saw. Um, real quick, though, my mom mentioned that you know the way the way I feel about Scream is the way she feels about Saw, and I feel and I do have something to say about that because it's pretty close. It's pretty close. Um, but as we get into the movie, I do have a, a fair debate because I do think John shares a kind of a similarity or a diametrics, uh, if that's the right word, a diametric kind of uh, comparison to another fictional serial killer. But before I get into that. Here's just some basic facts about Saw that I think are really interesting. All right, so Saw was released October 29th, 2004, directed by James Wan, written by Lee Wanell. The film stars Carrie Elways, Danny Glover, Monica Potter, Michael Emerson, Ken Leong, and Lee Wanell himself. Uh, the plot goes like this. Photographer Adam Stanheit, I didn't know that was his last name, uh, and, and, and anacologist Lawrence Gordon uh, regained consciousness while chained to pipes at either end of a filthy bathroom as the two men realize they've been trapped in a sadistic serial killer nicknamed Jigsaw and must complete his perverse puzzle to live. Flashbacks related to their fates of their previous victims begin to surface. Meanwhile, Dr. Gordon's wife and young daughter are forced to watch his torture via closed circuit video. Uh, the film's budget is between a million to one point two million dollars. The box office overall was one hundred and three point nine million. And again, just some kind of background. So the screenplay for the film was written by One L, who also plays Adam. Um, he he uh, co-created the story with James Wan 
in their respective screenwriting as this is their respective screenwriting debuts as their first screenplay that they put out. Uh, the film was originally written in 2001, but after failed attempts to get the script produced um, with Juana Win- uh, Winnell's home country of Australia, so they hide their accents really well, really well um, they were urged to travel to Los Angeles. Um, in order to help attract producers, they shot a low-budget short film uh, of the same name from a scene out of the script. This uh, proved successful in 2003 as the producers from Evolution Entertainment were immediately attached and also formed a horror genre production label, Twisted Pictures. So not only did this movie kind of, again, kick off that indie horror torture, not torture porn, but like the indie horror, more edgier tor- uh, horror subgenre, it literally birthed a studio. Last horror character to birth a studio was Freddy Krueger. So I think that's a big wow. step up. If, yeah, you don't know, yeah, if you don't know, Nightmare on Elm Street birthed uh, New Line Pictures in the 90s or, or 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh wait, what um studio did Jigsaw um Twisted Pictures, which would go on to be attached to so it started off as Evolution Entertainment and then they created Twisted Pictures, and then all of them I think got bought by Lionsgate. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh so the film was given a small production budget and was shot in eighteen days. Pretty 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 really yeah, pretty fast. That's a pretty fast Yeah. Movie. For so many intricate parts and moving parts, that was really fast. Yeah. Also the caliber of actors they got, you know, you got Danny Glover in this movie. Yeah. Some of these background actors are huge TV stars. Uh, I know the Asian uh, guy, he was an X-Men the last day on a recent podcast we did. He played Quill. If you know, you know, but he was also huge on Lost. He was the main character on Lost and Lost was a huge show. um, Mm -hmm. Ironically, before the writer's strike, which is going on right now. Um, so yeah, so Saw was uh, first screened in on January nineteenth, two thousand four, at the two thousand four Sundance Film Festival, one of the, the biggest film festival I think in America. Um, before being released in North America on October twenty ninth by Lionsgate, uh, the film received generally mixed reviews overall from critics, but grossed, like I said, the gross oh one hundred and three point nine million dollars worldwide. Uh, and this became one of the most profitable. No, this became the most profitable horror film since Scream 1996. Nice. It's fun how things are just connected. I just love that. But yeah, Scream made a lot of money, and this movie was the only thing that came close enough afterwards. Just so many years afterwards, too, like over a decade, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, I did one thing. I want to go back to is the short film. I sent it to you guys. Did you watch it? Yeah, I did watch that. <laughs> uh, Zardy, so it was actually pretty cool. It yeah. was pretty cool. I, just, I saw your text and I was like, she's going to talk about the hat. And yeah, it was exactly the hat. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, the short film is, uh, it's pretty, I, I see why they greenlit it. It, it looks really good. Uh, it was pretty close to the movie. Just some minor changes there. Um, yeah, it was like the conversation with uh, Tap and Amanda. Yeah. Just kind of flipped around. Um the the voice of Jigsaw, I I I just had a hard time with that. <laughs> like that's not John, that can't be John. It doesn't sound like John. Stop. And then when um you know when the doll comes out on the try you know the hat, I was like, can they take that hat off of him, please? Why is the hat on him? <laughs> the little derby. I didn't like the derby. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. 
uh, Zarya, did you end up watching the short film? I didn't get a chance to. Uh, you should right after this. It, it, it's pretty decent. You can see why they went ahead and made it. But um, highlight, we Lee Wanell is in the short film and in this movie. He plays Adam. Um, this guy has made a really big career out of him and James Wan. Before we get into the movie, I do want to talk about Lee Wanell and James Wan. Now, me, as of right now, I do not like these guys. <laughs> they make movies I don't like. <laughs> but I respect them and I do relate to them because they really did, like, do their best and made it um like i said saw kind of started their careers but they would go on to do insidious and um insidious is a huge huge uh success huge franchise they just released a new movie this year didn't do well though but still still a good you know franchise to have uh, oh in- the red door right yes red door um i have not seen it yet i have not either christian saw it and he didn't like it <laughs> oh wow okay he said it wasn't like the others i didn't really like the. i only like the first insidious and it's a, it's a big barely for me i didn't like the other movies that they had afterwards because i just find them very derivative um you can tell that lee wanell and james wan are huge horror fans but they kind of just take the movies they like and just add really loud soundtrack to them <laughs> so like insidious the first one is just poltergeist with a really loud soundtrack and then Insidious yeah. <laughs> 2 is The Shining with an even louder soundtrack and a bride dress. And so it just keeps going and going. And I'm just like, guys, come on. Uh, Lee Wanell yeah. did have his director's uh, debut recently with Malignant. That was a huge hit back in 2020. Um, his, again, I loved his respect and admiration for horror. Um, that whole entire movie is a like really big love letter to just Italian giallos. If you don't know what a giallo is essentially just Italian murder mysteries that became Italian slashers in the 70s and 80s. Um, mm. Just, they get ridiculous, though. And so Lee Wanell really took the ridiculous half of it and made it a whole movie. And so I I could not finish the movie, but it has its fans. People love Malignant. I just couldn't get with it. Uh, yeah, my, I couldn't really. I, yeah. I don't know. I don't even think I finished it. Me neither, yeah. I was like, you know, once they give you, like, they get the reveal, like, halfway through the movie, and I'm like, well, I'm out. (laughs) It's just, if you want to know, like, my one-sentence kind of review for Malignant, it's just, you know, you took, like, the first half of Rosemary's Baby and then insert Voldemort from Harry Potter. That's basically the movie. (laughs) (laughs) It's It gets ridiculous. But, um, yeah, I do respect the fact that these guys have made a a career out of themselves. James Wan is a really good director, I will say that. Just, he annoys me because he, especially in his horror films, again, Insidious and some of the other stuff he's done, he has a real knack of just sitting in the camera still, aiming it at something dark, and then just making, like, (laughs) (laughs) and then just having the violin just rev up like a car engine, and then once the loud sting hits, boom, scary thing happens. And it's like, all right, all right, dude. I'm not a fan of jump scares, James Wan loves jump scares, but I do love the fact that James Wan is able to work outside of the horror genre sometimes better than others. I think he did one of the Fast and Furious movies, one of the better ones, actually, um, with a lot of good action. The guy really knows how to use a camera. And then he also made Aquaman, and we don't... Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know that fun fact. (laughs) I was waiting on the Aquaman. (laughs) Did you like Aquaman? Just curious. Meh. All right, that's the right question. That's the right. I hated it. <laughs> it's very, it's very yeah. mad. Yeah, 
I couldn't stand it. I was. But like, I, you know what? I gotta really quickly go back to the Insidious, whichever one where the little boy was dancing in the corner to the music. Okay, now that was scary. I had a hard time getting that out of my head at night. <laughs> oh. Just yeah, okay, yeah. That yeah. one made me leave the bathroom light on. Like okay. <laughs> <laughs> In my old age, like, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> that, okay, yeah, that I can understand. Like, yeah, Insidious has its moments, but I, for me, when it when it becomes clear that it's just another movie, I'm like, all right, cool. Like, Insidious yeah. 4, with the whole... Yeah, that, I was like, all right, <laughs> I'm like, all right, guys, come on. We, we get it. You, you like movies. <laughs> Tell the story. Especially when they kept bringing the old lady back. I was like, okay, come on. <laughs> like, yeah, she wasn't anything to me. I was like, ah, all right. I was like, if she's that powerful of a psychic, about that little boy. Right. Like, I'm like, they kept bringing her back. She's like, oh, she's going to save the day. I'm like, if she's that powerful as a psychic, why does she keep dying, huh? huh? Why does she die in the first place? <laughs> they tear her up. <laughs> and they were just, I know, I know. again, I am not. haven't seen the recent movie, but she is in it. And I heard that there's a scene where she just gets her butt kicked. And I'm like, okay, well. <laughs> she was getting mangled. <laughs> I'm like, maybe you should retire. <laughs> you should retire. Mm-hmm. Turn in your card. <laughs> All right. Yeah, turn your ghost card in. <laughs> ghost ghost card. Yeah, her mediumship but diploma, whatever, because she was getting tore up. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Saw, let's get into the movie. Overall thoughts on this first movie. Rewatching it, watching it for the first time. I want to start with Zarya here. Overall thoughts on this movie specifically. What did you think? It was pretty cool. Um, it kept my attention. I liked how, um, like, there wasn't, like, a buildup. Like, it was a buildup, but it, it's not like, oh, here is here is a suburb and a family, and you get his, <laughs> his story before him meeting Jigsaw. No. First scene, first second. Two dudes chained up to a pole, uh, to a pole opposite ends of the of the room, body in the middle, covered in blood. Straight to the point. Oh, <laughs> they've been kidnapped. Something's happening. We're finding out just like they are. Like that was cool to me. I did. I did really appreciate like how the movie started. Um, and how like like I said earlier, like um the story that actually did develop. Um. It's pretty cool because like it made me like appreciate like have an appreciation for the movie. And so yeah, I I enjoyed it. It's uh much more than just like a torture movie than I thought it was. Mom. Loved it every time. This is probably the thirtieth time I've watched it. <laughs> and so every time it's like the first time. No, I'm gonna say like the fourth time all over again. Cause like I said before in the beginning I didn't understand it. So I was like, what is this? Um my biggest appreciation is keeping my brain engaged. Um, if you can keep my mind engaged in a movie and I don't get up not one time, that's a, for me, that's a good movie because my mind is everywhere a lot. So the brain teaser, the puzzle pieces, that that's the part that really just gets me going. The, the just It keeps you mentally engaged. Yes, yes. Puzzle pieces without an intentional joke. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I'm with you there. Uh, my umpteenth time rewatching this first movie. I don't go back to it often. And um, I, I see, I do see why. Um, but I do appreciate this movie a lot. This this movie still 
works. It's still, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Still hits. <laughs> Just to use a modern term. It still hits. It's uh-huh. it, it's really. I do appreciate the mystery this time around. I was like, oh wow, okay, this everything's connected. I I didn't. I, I don't know why. I probably thought about this before, but but really watching it this time and taking notes, I'm like, oh, everything's connected. Everybody is connected to each other. Jigsaw is really playing a game in this one, and I did love that. Like it didn't feel like a. You know, most movies try to feel like a chess game, especially when it comes to this kind of like psychological you know trapping if you will but this one mm-hmm. nah this felt like a tic-tac-toe game where it's a free-for-all and everybody lost it's <laughs> like yeah. okay um, yeah yeah it's like um oh again if oh, if you kind of like uh i'm kind of stealing something from a movie we'll do in the future but inception if you've ever seen that movie there's a point where they draw a map and it's like well they, they say um leonardo DiCaprio tells elliot page to draw a maze and uh his her his their, no, what, their character ariadna who's a girl she draws a maze but it's a square so that he takes it and it's like all right draw it again but in a circle and she has like a hard time that's how i feel this movie works when you realize what the mystery is it's like everybody is following the maze like it's a square jigsaw drew a circle so everybody's failing and i'm like that is right that is insane to think about but yeah i really did mm-hmm. That was the thing I loved the most this time watching it was definitely seeing the mystery. And so it's funny how Zara you mentioned from the, the the way the movie began. And it, every single time this movie begins, even before like the screen, you know, turns on when they're like t- talk about the lights and everything. As soon as Adam's face pops up under the water, I'm like the key, the key, the key, the key, the key. And every single time, it's like I'm expecting him to just like, oh, this is a different movie. I'm gonna just wake up and grab the key. I'm like, ah, no. <laughs> Every single time that key gets me, I'm like, ah, dang, he had it right there. And so the drain comes out of the tub or the water drains out of the the water drains out of the tub. And thus the movie begins. And it's yeah, it's off to a really wild start. We get introduced to Adam and Lawrence. They're chained up in this abandoned warehouse. This town, if as the series goes on, this is just a town full of abandoned warehouses. <laughs> I love that aspect of it. I also love that there's just a really nice anonymousness to this movie. Like we don't know any years, what year this takes place in. We just know that things are happening. We don't know what town this is. We don't know where in America this is. It's just somewheresville at, you know, something year at something o'clock. And I I like that part of it. Um, but man, this image is very much seared in my brain. Um, the first thing I wrote down though was this movie is very uniquely edited. And I, I really did like that. Um, it starts off as kind of that thing I kind of hate in like modern, like early two thousands movies, where they do this fast kind of like sped up editing where the camera's rotating. It's kind of something that uh, Tony, uh, Tony, I want to say Ripley, um, Tony Scott, which is the brother of Ridley Scott. Uh, Tony Scott. This is a lot. If you ever seen like Man on Fire, it's kind of that same kind of editing. Where it's just like really weird, like slow motion, but everything's kind of blurry. Something, you know, The Matrix kind of did something similar. But this movie kind of uses it to its advantage because it's really, you know, emphasizing the panic of like, you know, I'm pretty sure I went to bed last night. So why am I in a dirty bathroom? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So we got our two characters here. Let's start off with that. Adam and Lawrence. How do we feel about these guys throughout this movie? Mom? <laughs> Adam and Lawrence. So I actually like the characters. I like the characters. Um, they were pretty basic, though. Like they were, each of them represents somebody in this lifetime we've all met before. We've all met an Adam before. We've all 
known in Lawrence before, even if it was just a, a doctor's office appointment. But just their their demeanor, we've met these people before. And so, like, going back to the key thing, like, that was purposely done because certain people operate a certain way no matter what. They're just in different bodies. And John understands that he anticipates their behavior. He understands human behavior. So he already knew when this type of a person panics, this is what they're going to do. So I'm going to, he's going to screw himself. So I'm going to just put this key right here because I already know he's going to. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. but either way, we've all met an Adam before. We've already, we've met a, a Lawrence before. And even if it was just in passing. So I like both the characters because I feel like I could relate to them. I've seen, you know, people like that, that prioritize their work over their family. They're too busy. They're ungrateful. They're not paying attention to what's really important in life. And then I've met those that, you know, don't think they're important enough. Don't think that what they do is important. And because that they think they can get away with something that's harmless or they do things as harm they think is harmless but it's actually very harmful to someone you know what i'm saying that's adam man wow okay i'm just mind blown at the start of this podcast you really said something there. <laughs> oh wow i never thought they are literally two sides of the same coin and i yeah. love that type of stuff oh man okay zaria what did you think about these two characters how do you follow up that? Right. How do you mean so much to me? Man. <laughs> and this is the reason why I like being on on like episodes like this because like that was a that yeah they were pretty cool characters you know different um before um before Mama April's um answer I I was just like yeah. Uh, they're like opposite ends or whatever. Um, two different people, da da da. But with that, I, I'm kind of second guessing. I'm kind of second guessing it because, like, now I now I do see what she is talking about. Um, yeah. And I just I I like the characters a little more now. Uh, if I'm being honest. Yeah, it also kind of makes their their fates like a little bit just tiny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man all right well yeah <laughs> oh man yeah I, I agree i when we first meet these characters to me um especially rewatching it i'm like all right cool i i, I find it i find myself kind of like stepping out of it because i know the background so like when i see adam i do just see lee one l i do see the guy he played in insidious he was one of the ghost hunters that was helping elise um, and then Carrie Elways, I know he's a big Canadian actor. I don't know him in anything else. I think the biggest thing he did was what Princess Bride. I have never seen that movie. Gen Z or Gen Xers, please put down your pitchforks. I just I have not gotten to it yet. <laughs> I know they love people who love that movie, and I'm like I have managers at work that talk about that movie just daily, and I'm like I have not seen it yet. But um, yeah, Adam and Lawrence, they're they're really cool. Uh, I don't <laughs> I love how the movie kind of tricks you into like kind of disliking both of them so at the start of the movie you really kind of made to dislike lawrence right off rip because he's just very he's calm he, he gives away the fact that he's a suspect to begin with so we're kind of like all right well now i'm kind of shifty-eyed but then as the movie progresses and lawrence is kind of going through his entire thing and i love the fact that he kind of tells the story of what's been happening and what we are watching um we started to be like oh man i think Adam may be in on it or I, I like the mystery aspect of like is it Adam or is it Lawrence who's in on it 
And then we were the twist of the movie is that both of them got played, and it's like, oh, okay, wow. <laughs> uh, I will say I like Lawrence better than Adam. Adam kind of comes off as very impatient, very unlikable, but I, that's a part of the character, especially when you realize the fact that he has a nicotine addiction. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so right off the bat, we get this great like. Um, I love the fact that they do give you all the clues you need right off the bat and by that i mean like so we get the the clues are wrote down right off and it's just all this is just in the first five minutes uh lawrence notices the new clock and the the time and he's like all right so there's a timer somewhat here um then they all both have notes in uh in their pockets that turn out to be cassette tapes which wow cassette tapes mm-hmm. i want to know if they got a huge boom after this you know caller id was uh kind of went up after scream i want to know if there was like a stint of cassette tapes in 2005 <laughs> that went up um but can, they got cassette tapes there's a bullet and i think there's a key so they're there's they're given their tool <laughs> oh man jigsaw is just so clever he gives them the tools <laughs> right off the bat yeah, and everything and their egos distract them from it <laughs> yep. and you know obviously a lot of this is just like misdirect on jigsaw's part but if they would have just sat there and thought about things for a second instead of just throwing everything across the room they probably would have had a good chance (laughs) in this trap but it was it was really good uh so we start off with adam's tape and that's where we get the iconic jigsaw voice which tobin bell is just doing a voice really creepy voice this voice never gets old (laughs) you get chills every time you hear it (laughs) i like it a lot and so um the first thing i noticed uh, was definitely the heart on the toilet, which is, makes me laugh. But also, it's like, oh, ew. Yeah, I, yeah. Him putting his hand in there was the, the worst. Yeah, I will say, as like you know, a female, as a girl, <laughs> I was really creeped out by the scene because it was just so dirty, like just the <laughs> rust and the like their bare feet on the floor. Right. <laughs> I was really bothered by that. Right, it's the, and then now he's got to go the rest of the movie with like that sludge or what it poop or mud or whatever that was on his fingers, like blood. Is it? Yeah, I had a hard time with that. It was a little gross out. Man, it was brown. I do like the line though. It was like, "Would you find anything? Not anything solid." And I was like, uh, uh. "Yeah, that that dirty water, but just their feet on that those paint chips." <laughs> And sitting on that rust was really bothering me. Like, please stop putting your head on that pole. Right. <laughs> Man, if, if the trap doesn't get you, some kind of some kind of something, some kind of germ bacteria is gonna definitely yeah. get you. Um Zari, what'd you think about the the overall like room, the overall trap here? It was just nasty. <laughs> I had food when I was watching it. No. Oh. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know how the movie started. I didn't think we are going to be where we were so early. <laughs> so I had my little setup. I had my Taco Bell. And then the first scene, I'm like, oh, this room is disgusting. If the room's <laughs> disgusting, that means I'm going to see something disgusting. And if I see something disgusting while I'm eating, game over. Mm. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to have an appetite, which is what happened. I ended up losing my appetite. No. Um, room, the room alone was just, uh, and then the body and it. Oh, it was. I did not like the room. It was too messy for me. Yeah, 
Man, I will say though, the room kind of reminds me of like modern day like Febreze commercials, how they kind of like emphasize how dirty something is when they spray Febreze <laughs> and all of a sudden it's clean. I'm like, they just need some Febreze. <laughs> Please sponsor this podcast, Febreze. <laughs> all right, so we get Lawrence's tape, and his task, officially starting the game, is to kill Adam. And there's blood in there. So yeah, I'm trying to figure this out. Um, Mom, since you're kind of the expert here, correct me if I'm wrong. So there's blood. There is poison in their blood, a slow-acting poison, which kind of becomes like a trait for Jigsaw. And his mm-hmm. task is to kill Adam uh, before time runs out. And they have, like, an hour? Well, it was from five to six, essentially? Yeah, one hour. All right. So I don't even know, but it kind of makes you question, was that really true about the slow-acting thing? Or did that was something to just make them panic because you never truly had proof of that. Okay. You know, was that really just a, a a test just to see what they do in a state of panic? Who, as far as self-preservation, like, is it going to be me or you? You know what I'm saying? If, if you're put in a position where you could die in one hour, how much of your humanity how much of your mind is going to think to save us both are you only going to always keep trying to save yourself which is the whole point with pretty much all of them to show them just how selfish they are and if they could just slow down and think and work together it doesn't have to even drag out this long and you can walk right out of here you might lose a limb but you'll live you know what i'm saying so Mm -hmm. it, it leaves you the question was that part really because there was nothing to really validate was there really poison in their systems. All right, yeah. I think the only clue to that is just that Lawrence just gets paler and paler throughout the entire movie before he even cuts his leg off. But it could just be the fact that he's his face is just laying all over that floor. So Yeah, yeah. I didn't really notice I, I felt like the paleness happened more when as he when he cut his foot off. I know, like, it's very much after he cut his foot off, like, you start to see it. But throughout the movie, I was noticing, like, he's kind of getting a little. Every, mm. Yeah. To me, it looked like he was getting whiter and whiter as he went along. And then it accelerated when he finally made that choice. Um, which, wow, dedication, dude. <laughs> yeah. All right. So there's also a gun in the room. Well, well one, number one, there's a body in the room. <laughs> and the body's right. holding a gun and a cassette tape. Uh, yeah, the, the cassette player i should say and so they notice the gun first and lawrence is the one with the bullet and per his uh his tape you know there is one gun one bullet you know you have to kill adam blah 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 and then he does i do like the fact that it whispers follow your heart and it's like oh look the toilet Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that's where we get the namesake the the hacksaw the saw get it like get it i thought that was that was clever yeah and it's like oh man it's just so many angles just so genius it's just so freaking genius man because like if adam when he woke up in that tub if he could have just sat still for one second and felt around him first he would have been able to find that key and it would have been game over everybody it it wouldn't even have to go that far but because his first instinct is it's like that 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 ego like you can't put me in a bad position ever i can never be put in a bad position that instinct instantly kicks in so you panic and then he does what he does because his first mind 
feels like he can never be put in a strange situation. He doesn't know how to handle fear. You know what I'm saying? But yet he's extremely fearful to live his life. That was the point John was trying to teach him about being ungrateful. You're literally acquiescing to doing nothing with your life. That's ungrateful. Do something with yourself. You know what I'm saying? And then, oh boy, Lawrence is on the other end. Like you have a family and you don't even care that you have a family. This guy has nobody, but you're just going to acquiesce to the fact that I don't have nobody. So I'm just not going to do nothing. Both of you are ungrateful. Indeed. And they definitely learned that lesson. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it didn't even have to go that far. If they could just stop and think and pay attention, but everybody's so selfish and nobody thinks they can be put in the bed. It's like, how dare you put me in a bad position? Rawr! And next, you know, you done sabotage the whole thing. Just stop and think. You know, we don't naturally think of others. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man. Uh, yeah, just it's like, it's that like selfishness of self-preservation rather than self-preservation so you can help others is what I was thinking about. Yeah. yeah it like, took them a minute to work together. You know what I'm saying? It took them way too long to work together. They had like 30 seconds yeah. left by the time they thought about it. <laughs> I was like, y'all had an hour? Come on now. <laughs> Come yeah. to find out, they were actually already worked in, working together and didn't even know it, even though, you know, it wasn't the idea, but they were already connected, I should say. Yeah. And even when, and I guess the biggest, like, kind of, I want to say, like, pinpoint for these two that I noticed is definitely when Lawrence is talking about his family. And he, well, he gives him, like, his wallet or, like, this photo album. And uh, Adam recognizes one of the photos and takes it. And so the whole movie, he's holding back information while yelling at Lawrence about information. I'm like, dude, come on now. <laughs> You, you hear yourself? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like keeping that would that would have helped them both, especially if there's something written on the back of it. <laughs> right, right. But he did they didn't he didn't they don't trust each other still. Like they're trying to work together, but then they don't trust each other. Right. And typically you don't trust people because you've had bad experiences or you yourself are not right. So you automatically think somebody else is doing something. So it was a lack of trust that made him do that. And also, I felt like he didn't want Lawrence to panic. If he knew, if he saw that picture, he would stop thinking and stop working with him. He needed him to stay focused. Mm. That's why he was like, I cannot show this to him because he's going to lose it. And now we're not going to be able to figure out how to get out of here. True. All right. Wow. Oh, that is a good, that's a cool take. See, layers, people, layers. Horror movies do have layers. (laughs) Did you see when he finally realized what was going on? He just... He was a mess after that. Yeah, just hacking away. <laughs> on the floor, on that dirty floor, screaming, and just, it was, he was just a mess. <laughs> All right, so we do, this movie is done in non-chronological order. We can kind of debate where, what pieces, pieces go where, although I think it's kind of clear at the end where, what happened and what events, but we do take a break from these guys, and we end up, well, Lauren starts talking about the Jigsaw Killer, and it's the person who's been operating for a while, and there's this team of detectives tasked with finding him. Um, and this is where we kind of get into the the uh, mystery. Well, I guess the the second layer of the the mystery portion. 
So essentially just like figuring out who Jigsaw is and what is his plan and everything with these detectives. We uh I do like this team though. So we got Danny Glover, who is the main detective, which is detective. I throughout my notes I kept saying top, but it's tap. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I was writing top, but uh, it's Detective Tap, and then we have Detective Sing, and then there's a girl there, but I don't know if she has a name, or if they ever said her name. Um, but yeah, they're kind of working, trying to figure out who this Jigsaw killer is, and so one clue leads them to Lawrence Gordon, the doctor, and right in the background, <laughs> there is John, <laughs> laying in the bed. Did uh, I know you caught this, Mom. Sorry, did you catch John there? Did you, or did you, did you, did you know who John or Jigsaw was? throughout this no i didn't know jigsaw's uh name throughout the movie so um in the beginning when that guy was like his name's john i was like oh look at you you know (laughs) and then come to find out like when the in the end when they like uh when that scene and it's like his name's john i'm like his name's john his name is john that's john (laughs) john get up (laughs) man yeah he should they again filmmaking is so interesting because like you can literally give all your audience the entire like thing like i said they give you they give uh jigsaw gives them their tools and their clues to us the audience but their tools to them and then we cut and we're in this flashback quote unquote and we see the killer like right there or you know the the title character right there laying in the bed they're discussing him and then you really don't think about him for the rest of the movie until i don't know i think it's really fun i think i like that part you know it does remind me of scream where billy loomis is right in front of us but we we just dismiss him because well he's too obvious and so here it's literally a background character and comes to think about it he's throughout the entire movie he's literally laying right in front of us and we, just right. don't, we don't think about him which kind of feeds into the fact what mama was saying that hey we're, we're trying we're so focused on solving this mystery for ourselves we don't realize that hey the answer's right there <laughs> oh man I, I just love it but um jigsaw i do have little issues with jigsaw's whole methodology here as far as like i feel like the guy has way too many calling cards that's just my thing like you know joker has the joker card harvey two-face has the coin I'm thinking of superheroes here but like even like other like murderers they have their you know their trophies or whatever you know um for a more recent uh example for people out there if you watch you on netflix you know joe has his big glass box of books <laughs> that's kind of his calling card and his box of uh, memorials or whatever he, jigsaw has you know he takes he cuts out a, a jigsaw piece from the bodies of its victims and then he also has this whole pig mask and robe and then he also has Billy the puppet. I'm like, guy, I, I understand what you're doing here, but I need you to pick at least two because there's way too many things happening. I just really wished he would have just stuck the two of them. Um, but they're either way, all are creepy. I do think as the movies go on, the jigsaw piece kind of like they don't really use it as much anymore. I think Billy the puppet kind of takes over. And we re- we see the pig mask every now and then. But for this movie specifically, they lay it all out there. And I'm like, come on, guys, pick one. But um, I still like it. But yeah, we get introduced to the fact that there is this jigsaw killer. And man, these traps. Oh boy. Like the trap that the the main trap in this movie isn't even the worst one because this guy with the barbed wire, I was like, oh, I'm there's no way out of that. <laughs> the engineering was amazing. 
Wow. How did but now you but you know what? The barbed wire dude, you know what feel that has to it? I guess it's like a framework still, but Saul just kind of took it extra, extra deep. Do you remember the movie Seven? Yes. That's kind of it's like they took seven and it just blew it up. Yes, I'm glad you brought if that you up. If you think about that movie Seven with Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman and that scene with the, the, the fat man in the and Ooh. some of the other things, Ooh. some of the other ones too. Think about that movie and some of the other Saw contraptions. It's it's a lot of mirroring of of Seven but just over the edge. Yes, I wrote that here. Uh, first of all, thank you. Because past episode, if you want to listen to my review of Seven with my friend Adam, we did that a while ago. One of my favorite episodes to listen to because we go deep into that. Um, definitely my one of my favorite. David Fincher is one of my favorite directors. And so we've done we done Seven. We did Gone Girl. I think there's another one. We, we did uh, Zodiac. So we will definitely revisit um, David Fincher uh, probably next year. I do want to talk about Panic Room because one, I think Zarya would really like that movie if you have not seen it. But uh, I have. Oh man, it's such a fun like little Is Kristen Stewart. Foster. Yeah, Jodie Foster. Yeah, Jodie Foster. Oh, would like that one. Forrest Whitaker. Yeah. Oh yeah, Zara, you would like that one. We gotta get into the save. <laughs> Just think about Jordan Peele <laughs> when he played Little Forrest Whitaker. But um. But yeah, I I thought a lot about Seven. Uh, well, I've I've always thought about Seven when it came to this movie, but I had not seen Seven until we did it for the podcast. But whenever I heard about Saw, people had always brought up Seven. I was like, all right, I get it, I I understand. And so now that I have seen Seven, this this movie to me is the greatest like marriage of like taking Seven and an episode of Grey's Anatomy and just mashing them together. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, that barbed wire scene took me right back to seven for some reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This barbed wire scene, even the reverse bear trap, the other scene with mm-hmm. the wax, like <laughs> it's it's definitely that extreme, and I like it. I like it. It's yeah, seven. Uh, we don't really see. It's kind of like taking seven, but showing us like what happened because we only see like the crime scenes in seven. We never really get what actually happened here. You do kind of get hints at what happened. Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, these traps are tough. They're really tough in this first movie. I, I couldn't really, like, figure out if I could survive any of these or if anyone could survive any of these. I mean, he does give you an out. The barbed wire one was tricky. I think that one's kind of the worst one for me. Uh, at least, I don't know. I don't know how anyone could do that. <laughs> but, yeah, what? how do you guys feel about I mean, we can talk about all the traps in here because, again, there's only, like, what, there's four main traps. We got the barbed wire. We got the main uh, bathroom trap. We got the reverse bear trap. Trap, two traps, and then there's the uh, like the what is it like a it's like a uh, a needle like a pressure needle type thing happening with the detectives. Um, but how do you guys mm. feel about the traps in this movie, Mom? Amazing. It makes you kind of wonder about the mind of the person that wrote this part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like for you to actually write this in to design this it had to be written you know what i'm saying to the script like who the heck what's up with that person's mind who which one of the writers did this who did this (laughs) (laughs) and it kind of makes you question like they're you know what's going on in your head (laughs) definitely 
What about uh, you, Zarya? What do you feel about the traps in this one? Given that you're finally kind of getting acquainted with Saw, I really want to know what you think. This took some planning. Like, these traps are not just like any old super, like, not super villain, but any old <laughs> bad guy, bad guy traps. These are sinister. <laughs> like, like, ew. what's the right word I'm looking for? Um, the mind that the person who created the traps had to be in, like, for all this to be some sort of lesson. This is one heck of a lesson. This is a scarring lesson. <laughs> if I don't learn anything from this lesson, I'm gonna learn what how this trap made me feel. <laughs> but um, to piggyback off what Mama April said, yeah, like now I'm looking at the writer kind of different because why did you write that? <laughs> why is this scene? <laughs> What's going on up there that you thought of this? Yeah, like a reverse bear trap on somebody's face. Man. Uh <laughs> that that was tough. Like even the, the candle wax one, I think like the barbed wire one makes my skin crawl. But the candle wax one was like, I mean, there's a chance you can get out of that, but like this broken glass all over the floor, you're naked, you're covered in some kind of flammable. I'm guessing Vaseline is Vaseline flammable. It looked like Vaseline. <laughs> you got this little small mm -hmm. like tea light candle and you got to get the code that is written on this wall, but the wall is covered in just like all these other numbers. It's like, man, come on. <laughs> you're given like what? And again, he's given like 45 minutes <laughs> to unlock the safe. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Man, but speaking of the reverse bear trap, we get introduced to a longtime fan favorite of the franchise, Amanda, or Mandy as they keep calling her. But Amanda, the only jigsaw survivor that we know of, of as of this point, the drug addict. <laughs> I know the, the, the police was like, Amanda, the drug addict. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, come on, she got a last name, guys. <laughs> Have some respect. But yeah, what do we think about Amanda and how she's introducing her big story with the uh, reverse bear trap? Because she does become important later on. Uh, back to you, Zarya. I just felt sorry for the girl because it seems scarring to use your, like, because um, she, she got out. But didn't she have to, like, dig for the key in someone's body? Yep, she had the <laughs> murder. See, I don't, I don't even know how you can, like, get over that. It's like. I have to kill this person to free myself. And it's like, I don't want to, but I do love myself more than I love this person. Or I even like myself more than I like this person. So of course I'm going to save me, but I have to take a life in order to do that. That is some mental mind, crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I feel bad for because like honestly like I wouldn't want to I would not want to have to think about that day in day out like yeah I'm here but at what cost somebody's life like that's yeah I feel bad for her but I'm glad she's like like cool she's the only survivor but dang all of that all that baggage with her what about you mom We've all known an Amanda. Well, <laughs> maybe not you guys. <laughs> you know, you live long enough, you'll meet an Amanda. You know what I'm saying? E either in passing or you'll just know, you know. But I love her character, honestly. I felt bad that she had to be the sacrificial lamb for all Amandas, for all 
substance misusers, you know, because that's pretty much what he did. Like the the reason why she had to kill him to get that key was because of how John lost his son. So remember, you know, the drug addict rushed into the clinic and he hit he hit his wife's belly because he pushed that door open because he was just trying to feed his addiction. So he was willing to kill like most, not most, but some substance misusers when they get that far gone they will kill you for their fix. They'll do whatever they have to do. So basically, Amanda was a sacrificial lamb for all, you know what I'm saying, substance misusers. But this time, you don't get to choose how you're going to kill someone, you know what I'm saying, to preserve yourself through your addiction. I'm going to tell you how you're going to kill. If you're so willing to kill somebody, then let's really get it. You know what I'm saying? You that savage that you'll kill for your addiction to preserve yourself. Now let me see you do it like this. <laughs> and she did it. And got this big old Joker scar to prove it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I liked her character because it was real. Like, and then like the line of work I do, I see Amanda's all the time. But none of them are actually ever held accountable the way she had to be. It's a very tragic character. We will see more of her, Zarya. So don't you worry. You'll learn more. Oh, yeah. You'll learn more about Amanda. She again, she's a fan favorite out of the franchise. But yeah, I I like Amanda a lot too, mostly from the other movies or really the next movie. But I do think she, once she was a great performance in this, like probably the best scene acting wise, with her just telling the story and then them cutting back to her. I'm like, wow, that's great. Um, yeah, she's she's great here. So moving forward, there we have this like subplot featuring, and it does feed into the the main story but we're cutting back and forth between gordon's family and so essentially the way we see it at first is that gordon gets called into work he leaves right after he leaves there's a man in the daughter's closet which freaked me out <laughs> anytime yeah. i watch this movie i forget about this but yeah there's it's that again it kind of reminds me of halloween uh 2018 the kids like there's a kid in my closet. There's someone in my closet. Oh, I just checked it. It's fine. And then turns out they weren't lying. <laughs> There's actually somebody. Oh, in the yeah. They uh, went, they tapped on everybody's childhood with that scene. Yes. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> but I do love, there's one part of this, like, initial chase that I love. Zarya, I want to know if you caught it because it's something that you know I love, but I know you did not like at all. Uh, it's a reference to another horror movie. Um, we get this shot of this man. When we see the man in the closet, it's a specific shot, and it's his eyeball between the door and the door frame. Did you catch it? I caught it. We know the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, say it. <laughs> it's Black Christmas, right? Absolutely, baby. Black Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> man, I geek out every time. Yeah, if you have not seen the original Black Christmas, I definitely recommend it. Uh, it's one of my favorites. <laughs> It's great. It's ridiculous. It. <laughs> it's a movie that came out. <laughs> it's a movie that came out. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, they I do love the fact that they recreated that shot with the eyeball through the door frame and then, you know, right the split second they see it and someone runs out. And so they did it here with the daughter and the uh the mom. And I'm not gonna lie, the, the mom was fighting for her life. I was like, Yes, you go. What's her name? Polly Molly? I don't know. But she was fighting. I was like, Yeah, get up, get up. <laughs> Oh, man. But, yeah, we're cutting back with this whole, like, family subplot. I think this movie does um, – it doesn't lose focus. But as far as, like, with the family and everything, because everything's so connected, it's kind of hard to judge it. 
But I do think when it came to the family, there was just way too many, like, kind of like subplot, not subplot, but like kind of like flashes to the family before they get kidnapped. And I was like, I get it, but also, I don't know. I feel like you could probably shave off a few seconds off of some of the scenes, just like a second, just like a few frames. But either way, it still worked. I did feel really bad for the little girl. Girl, she is traumatized for the rest of her life. Yep. <laughs> oh man, she will not be able to trust a bed. <laughs> Meanwhile, I do love the reveal of Detective Tap. So Detective Tap and Detective Singh end up tracking down Jigsaw's like, or one of Jigsaw's many warehouses. <laughs> Again, you'll you'll get you'll get you'll pick up on that as the series goes on. But we pick up on his warehouses and i love the fact that like jig jigsaw <laughs> i love the fact that jigsaw was like inner like invading gang territory in order to hide out like that was clever like <laughs> no one would have thought of that to like use gangland territory to set up shop <laughs> like that was like oh that's clever that's okay yeah it was definitely and so that's why it took so long for the police to find any of where he was because yeah. oh yeah, nobody's going over there. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of it's pretty cool, but it's an old mannequin factory. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. And so Detective Tap and Detective Singh end up going on doing something that cops should never do. If you find a thing, don't go alone at first. You always have backup on standby. Um, just down the street, maybe. But they went alone, and they end up finding another trap involving a guy named Jeff. Poor Jeff didn't have much lines or anything. But we don't. I don't even. Do we find out what he did, or is he just a pawn in the in the game? He, He's just a pawn. I think they never really said anything about him. All right. I mean, knowing that this a is a date. Yeah, maybe. I mean, knowing that this is a date for the cops and you know their ego, I guess. True. I don't, although that trap was just so mean. He's like, oh, <laughs> tap the button, terrible. all right, game's on. <laughs> oh, poor guy. Uh, poor Jeff. But, yeah, so they run into their own trap. And so I do... <laughs> oh, man. So this always gets me. One, I love Jigsaw's robe. I want this robe. It's a nice little <laughs> silk red and black robe he uses. <laughs> and uh, this whole, like, the fact that the robe was big enough for him to hide, like, this wrist blade... <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty cool. Oh man, I did not see that coming. Nobody saw that coming. Never see it coming. It's just shing, throat slit. I'm like, oh wait, no. That was some old Mortal Kombat stuff right there. (laughs) Sorry, what'd you think about this whole trap scene and this whole like wrist play? Is that where I went to the bathroom? Oh dang. (laughs) Like it's not coming to my. I think I went to the bathroom and forgot to pause the movie. Oh wow! I mean, hey, <laughs> well, yeah. That's like, when Tap got his throat cut. Yeah, Tap got it quick. Hey, I was wondering what happened to him. He just like stopped showing up. Yeah, he comes back like the very end, but <laughs> <Stop> yeah. <showing up>. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he can barely talk. <laughs> but yeah, it was. It's a pretty good scene though. Although I feel real, I feel really bad for Detective Singh though. So he goes after Jigsaw, and Jigsaw is just running through these corridors and. He ends up hitting a trip wire, and that causes like three different shotguns to go off. And the guy just has—he doesn't have a head anymore. Gross, <laughs> man! I was like, oh man, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, that hurt. I was like, I remember grabbing my stomach on that one, like, oh man. Yikes! 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 So we get back to Adam and Lawrence, and so basically, like we were saying earlier, Adam starts keeping secrets. Lawrence starts kind of sort of panicking. 
Um, but they do have this whole X mark the spot type of deal going on, which where uh, they turn off the lights and painted is an actual X behind Lawrence. And on there is a box that has a few different items. We got uh, we got a key, a cell phone, and a cigarette, and a, a note. And so basically, the note kind of encourages that uh, you know he don't really need a gun to kill Adam. Give him a cigarette. And I do like the the moral dilemma of it all. Lawrence at first is like maybe I, I shouldn't, and he ends up focusing on the cell phone, which he finds out that the cell phone is only receive only. So that that kind of sucks. <laughs> Can't call for mm-hmm. help. And I think what the the nine button is broken on the phone as well. Mm-hmm. E. Just the the plan is all coming together. And then we we also get these little flashbacks. They start to remember how they were kidnapped, and this brings in the whole pig mask thing. Me personally, I've never liked the pig mask. I know it becomes a stable for a, a different character, a character we didn't mention. I don't want to spoil anything, but it, it becomes less involved with Jigsaw, but more involved with this other character that becomes a part of the whole Jigsaw deal. But uh, the pig mask here, uh, I just, I for me, I, I know the pig mask deal from American Horror Stories. So that's always how I'm going to associate it, even though Saw did come first. I saw American Horror Story first, so it's just mm-hmm. how I. Whenever I see a pig mask, I'm gonna, I'm just waiting for like Jessica Lang to just pop up out the corner. <laughs> yeah, I didn't care for that part. Yeah, it's just them getting kidnapped. None of them. Although I will say here, you can definitely tell it's James Wan and Lee Wanell just doing their director thing. I don't know why. I think this is. A, I think this is mostly a Lee Wanell thing, but. They really do love their like red doors and rooms full of red because <laughs> they utilize that in this. Adam's like dark room is red, but it's his apartment door is red as well. And I'm like, well, yeah. you can tell they were thinking about Insidious at this point. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They really do love that utilizing that. Also, jump scares here. We get that whole like camera flash. I'm like, I I know this is way before we got flashes on our phones, but like you didn't have a flashlight anywhere or you didn't have an extra lamp or something. You just had to use the camera. <laughs> I thought that was funny, but um, yeah, so we end up finding out that they were both. So we also find out that Adam was there when Lawrence got kidnapped because Lawrence was stepping out, which is mm-hmm. again, <laughs> that. although I, I respect the fact that he doesn't go through with it this time, but it's kind of like, dude, you know, mm-hmm. you've been called. I'm grateful. Yep. Just, you know, and then again, his wife says it too. She's like, she doesn't know what's happening, but she knows that like, he's very uh, neglecting of them at, right as he's walking out the door. And so when you get the scene connected to this, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and, um, sorry, I'm trying to, uh, trying to piece together where my notes are all over the place. I'm like, Ooh, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I think we are kind of gearing towards the end here. Where are we at? Adam remembers the door. Oh, they all get the... Oh, I did. I think that the electric shock was just a step too far. Yes. That was hilarious. He's dead. Let me check. Get your ass up. Nice. You tried it. I laugh at that part every single time. It's, it's so out of nowhere. And I know I should not, but that is always so funny to me. And I like that it comes back at the end too, where he tries to, mm-hmm. he grabs the gun and then he just remote. It's like I told you. 
Oh boy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so before we talk about the end and the, the we get this mystery man throughout the film. There's a two-way mirror with a camera behind it. That's very important. Before we get into the end conclusion, I have two things I want to discuss really quickly. And we're gonna try and move by this uh as fast as we can. Uh, number one, they do pose the question in this movie that I think is really interesting. Is Jigsaw a murderer? Technically, he's not physically murdering or really causing the murder of people. People are kind of mostly killing themselves and they're making that choice. He gives them the choice to. But, you know, some would argue Jigsaw is still a murderer. So what? how do you guys feel? Do you Is Jigsaw a murderer or is he not a murderer? No. Nope. He just gives you a choice. Live or die. No, not at all. He's a teacher. He's he's karma in human form. <laughs> Ooh, I love that. Yes. The the personification of karma. I love that. All right. Mm-hmm. Technically, no. But I feel like he does play some part because it's still, it's not, I don't think the choice is not extremely free will. If it was extremely free, free will, I could be like, no, nah, he like, I could I could say like now he's giving him a choice da, 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 da. but there's some coercion because um I I just don't feel like it is completely um free will uh free a free will choice I live or they live and it's like uh I mean I I, get, I don't know <laughs> I don't I, uh, he he plays a part like even though he does not physically touch the person. He plays a part, and I mean, I guess I can't call him a murderer, but he helps those who do murder. He's a helper of a murderer. Murderers. (laughs) 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 All right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, I've always struggled with this debate. I do. I mean, at the end of the day. Again, technically, by definition, he's not. Um, he is more of a guide, more of a teacher there. Um, but you got to admit, his extremes are very extreme. Very. <laughs> so, Kidnapper, absolutely. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're going to want to kidnap you know. It's a lot of chloroform so. in his budget. Right. Now, now, remember in the later songs, he actually reprimands Amanda for trying to murder. He was like, we don't kill anybody. True. Remember that we don't murder people. Like, she got in trouble for, for doing that. All right. Oh, and, and the other dude. Well, the other dude was more twisted, but yeah. Oh, the cop? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't like I don't him. Like it. I didn't like his character at all. Ooh, boy. We'll get there eventually. All right. Uh, my next question is this. So this kind of goes back to the whole, you know, love, just the fandom part of it. Just love of Saw. So, Mom, you like you, earlier you said that you, your love for Saw kind of mirrors or is equivalent to my love for Scream. Now, whenever I think about this debate, I don't go to Scream, although these are very closely connected. I I understand, though, because I really love Ghostface and how he does things in this whole method. But it's purely for the love of just horror movies. When I think about John and Jigsaw, my my comparison goes to Hannibal Lecter. And Zarya knows, because she's been on every podcast since, I <laughs> absolutely love Hannibal Lecter. Probably to the same extent that you love John Kramer, Jigsaw. And so my question is, 
not an answer to your question, but the debate is like, you know, which side do you lean on? Now, obviously, me and mom have different sides here. And I can do my best to explain Hannibal. It's very complicated to try and explain what Hannibal's thing is because it's the whole point of Hannibal Lecter overall is that he's just, you know, he's supposed to represent just this force of nature in human form. He's, they call him the devil in the series, in the move, in the books. He's more of just like a, it's a curious cat type of deal. He's just curious of what will happen. So he has, he's, just, he's, you know, he's just given this high intellect and he, but he's just, just, you know, you know, he, you know, he sets up the dominoes and he chooses someone else to kind of knock him down and see what happens. Uh, the movies, obviously, all the portrayals are different. There's multiple portrayals of him, but overall, there's I think I think all this characterization still represent who Hannibal is. Where 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 I guess we'll start with Zari here. Where do you lean? You know, which is more in, in fascinating to you, John Jigsaw or Hannibal Lecter? Hannibal. I'm still have to give it to Hannibal. All right, all right, Mom. How do you feel um, comparing Jigsaw to Hannibal, or do you feel they are comparable? What's your thoughts? I don't think they're comparable at all. I think they both stand completely alone. John doesn't eat people, so that's that's a plus, <laughs> right? You know, I mean, Hannibal is, you know, he has a lot of emotional intelligence to. You know, his uh, madness, he allows emotion to kind of play a part as well. And he doesn't mind displaying that. John is just strictly logical with everything. It's just pure logic. You do this, this is what happens. Period. Okay. But Hannibal works with the frame of the way people think, but also how they feel. Dictates how they're going to move, too. Hmm. Okay. All right. So at the start of that, I wanted to push back a little bit because, but I do see what you mean because Hannibal does when he needs, or, oh, I won't say this. He does have that capability of utilizing emotion. I don't think he's an emotional person, obviously. The guy eats people and he likes to manipulate mm-hmm. people. Again, in the, in the TV show and some other adaptations, he is considered just not the devil, like not, you know, Satan, but like he is a devil figure in the fact that he will tempt you. And if you have the intelligence enough to feed into that, then he will start this rapport with you. The guy does not like to be bored, but he also doesn't like to be disrespected. Again, I'm a huge fan of Hannibal. I just love the way he thinks, uh, you know, despite the cannibalism, but also it's just the fact that like <laughs> this man is so curious to the fact that he will you know, he will just pop in whatever he wants. He will psychoanalyze you and then make you think that you are crazy when it's him. Yeah. You know, I, I, but I do understand the emotional fact of it. Hannibal, the one thing about Hannibal, I probably the thing I love the most is the fact that every now and then he does develop this tether to people. So hilarious. There is an emotional tether on her part in that he utilizes that because in actuality, he does have some kind of feeling towards her. Same with Will Graham. You know, again, rewatch the movies. I highly recommend the TV show. I rewatch the TV show like every now and then. It's three seasons, but I just love it. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I do understand. A, he's a seducer. You know what I'm saying? He seduces yes. you first. He's like one of the greatest seducers. Um, he's greatest seduction, but John doesn't care about all that. And I will say, if you put Hannibal in one of uh, his Jigsaw's trap, I 100% believe Hannibal will get out in less than five minutes. <laughs> yeah, he'll make the right choice. Yeah, he will. And 
I wouldn't put it past him to try and hunt John down <laughs> or whoever Jigsaw is at the moment. Uh, or he might just commend him. True, true. He does have that capability. He has done that mm-hmm. in the books and in the TV show, which I love. I'm telling you. <laughs> I got to get you on a Hannibal episode, Mom. This is. I got to get you to watch the series. It's great. It's massive. Okay. Um, I, have, <laughs> I also have it on DVD. <laughs> I have it, the box set. Um, but yeah, I just, yeah. And every time you brought up Jigsaw and his philosophy, I revert to Hannibal and his quote unquote philosophy. It's really just like, you know, a Schrodinger's cat or really just like a, again, it's really hard to describe Hannibal, but overall it is, he is kind of like the cat from Alice in Wonderland with like Freddy Krueger's glove on him, essentially. It's kind of, but yeah, Zarya, like I said, you had been on Silence of the Lambs when we covered it and you were on Red Dragon. So you've seen firsthand of what I mean, um, or what Hannibal means to me. But yeah, that's just kind of the two, two dyads that I kind of like sit in between. Okay, so let's talk about the end of the movie and the finale, and then we'll get into recommend. So the recommend, or not recommend. So the end of the movie kicks off where Lawrence gets a call from this phone that they found, and it is his family being held hostage. And we don't really know who is keeping his family hostage. Now, the movie wants you to believe it is Jigsaw, but it turns out that it is the orderly from way early in the movie named Zepp. I thought his name was Sebastian or Seb. Turns out I was getting my content confused. Like <laughs> off of can off mic, I was talking about how this week I've been watching uh, High School Musical, the musical, the series. There's a character named Seb in the series, <laughs> and so the whole time I was writing my notes for this movie, I'm like Seb. I heard Seb, right? Turns out it was Zed, Zep. <laughs> and I'm like, oh wait, no. <laughs> I'm getting characters confused because I'm like Seb. Seb sounds right. <laughs> Oh man, but um, so we got Zepp, who was I'm guessing he is just he just really admires John, so he was put in, but he also has his own test, right? Like that's his deal. I'm asking. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah, he yeah yep he was in his own game. Oh wow, that is. But why they didn't really go into that? Like, you know, would you kill an innocent woman and child? But what like what did he do? to have that question posed to him they don't really say yeah i don't know if we ever get it answered i gotta really go through these movies but we'll we'll see because like i said we're only we're only going to through the first three right now but we will definitely pick up soon after um we just have some more movies to cover as we get into the fall season but yeah i really want to know if we ever come back to this but um zeph might (laughs) have been in that clinic that his wife worked in Okay. He may have been that clinic scene. You know, his wife, John's wife, worked in the substance misuse clinic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like Zepp comes back and he's a patient at that clinic. He, even though he works, he's on drugs. Oh, mm. <laughs> but makes sense. Yeah. Um, Zaria, did you see the whole reveal with Zepp coming? What he I was, was doing? shocked. I was shocked. <laughs> yeah, and so everything kind of falls into place. Zep, I do. I think things get crazy because, like, you know, Lawrence is freaking out, and so we get the infamous scene. This is definitely the scene everyone talked about when this movie came out of just him hacking off his foot because he needs to go help his family because they're screaming on that phone, which just gets louder as the movie goes on. <laughs> Everybody, you can hear everything on the phone. Um, but man, yeah, it's an intense scene. Just blood everywhere. He's taking his foot off, and he's gonna go crawl to help his family but before he does zepp opens the door 
<laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, I do not remember this part of the movie. <laughs> and so this whole entire ending <laughs> caught me off guard. And so they do the I do love that Saw gives you like the the recap of the entire movie that you just watched by giving you all the answers at the end of it. This happens in every one. Well, we see how everyone's connected. Uh, again, sorry, I'm coming back to you, but this whole like end reveal with uh, John being Jigsaw and Zep and this whole shootout that happens. How'd you feel about the ending? Oh, that crash course was so needed because I'm like, huh, how did we get here? How? Like, I was like, the reveal with uh, is his name Zep or yeah, Zeb? Zep. Okay. P is what the okay. subtitles told me. Okay. Like, so with the reveal of him, I was like, I wasn't like thrown like completely off like into another state. I was just thrown like maybe cr- across the street. Like I was just thrown <laughs> off that much. And oh no, my wig. So that recap, huh? No, I was just thinking about a video I saw. Oh no, my wig. It, it was a wig <laughs> flying across the street. <laughs> um, and so that recap really kind of helped. But it, I, I, I cool. It was cool to me. Like I enjoyed it. Um. And to see how, like, everybody is connected, man, that jigsaw is kind of cold. Because, like, you connected all of this. And um, for him, like, just to stand, like, just for the stand up and then just peel, like, the scars or whatever. Yes. Oh, bravo. Bravo. And, oh, and then that delivery. The key was in the tub. Oh, bravo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that part because he just goes the key was in the tub and then just like want like you know how old people kind of just like give you like the weirdest like advice and then just wander wander off it was exactly that yeah it was like it was like one of those like weird southern sayings like um oh if it was a snake it would have bit you (laughs) if it walks off yes and again the shocking chain he just shocks him Oh, I love that. Oh, man. Oh, uh, but yeah, she just gets up and rips off. and Like, the man just had the best nap ever. <laughs> nap, <laughs> best nap of his life. <laughs> uh, the way he got up stretching was hilarious to me. That was another time I laughed every single time. His back. eyes were closed. Right? He's trying to stretch. And I was like, look at this dude. <laughs> <laughs> he gets up like a cat. <laughs> or like just, you know... Man, he had the best nap ever. <laughs> well, yeah, mom, how do you feel about this ending? It was cool. It was cool. That's the this is the fun part when they start piecing everything together. But like I said, the funniest was his stretch. You know, the cat stretch, the cat cow first, and then you know his eyes, and he's looking up to the sky for a second with his eyes closed, and his face just looks like a newborn baby or something. <laughs> Like, do you like all this just happened around you? And he's like, All right, well, I'm gonna go ahead out. <laughs> yeah, I, I see y'all later. You know, when you're yeah, leaving someone's house, yeah, I'm gonna head on out. <laughs> oh, we didn't even bring it up, but like, so yeah, Lawrence chops off his foot, and uh, <laughs> Adam beats Zeph with the toilet uh, top. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man. That that was definitely a harder watch. Just go around. I was like, oh wow, that happens. Okay. Like I said, this whole ending kind of caught me off guard because I did not remember it. Oh man. And then yeah, that that signature theme song kicks in with the little uh, Billy the Puppet laugh. And <laughs> 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 
Mm-mm-mm. Yes, yes. And then, yeah, he just goes game over and then closes the door. And Adam, we're just left. I love that they keep this little beat, though. Like, Adam is like screaming for like half a second as we're just watching this blank screen before the credits come up. I'm like, yep, yep. And, um, you know, again, I don't want to spoil too much, Zarya, but believe it or not, we do see this again in the future. <laughs> we'll see what ha- what they look like after they open the door back up. And it's you know what after some time, guys, it's hard to take that scene seriously after Dr. Phil and Shaq did the spoof version of that. It kind of ruins the seriousness of it from here on out. Like I had to I thought about Dr. Phil and Shaq a couple of times watching it again. Really? (laughs) Just kind of chuckling to myself. Scream for or not scream for, but a scary movie for. (laughs) Yes. Oh man, yeah. I think about the ending of Scary Movie Four because they're they're all at the yeah. I guess Shaq is in in Doctor Phil are in that part too. But like mm-hmm. they're at the end and everybody's in the traps. But the it's Cindy and Brenda have like the, yeah. the neck traps, and then the boyfriend she has has the, the rocket pointing towards his yeah. butt. Yeah, <laughs> and then Cindy, look, I'm on TV. <laughs> oh. Do I want to watch the game before now? No, the movie gave me a headache last time I watched it. He gave you a headache? Yeah, yeah. That's fair. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, do we recommend Saw, Zarya? I guess you were right. I have more to say than I thought I did. And, <laughs> and I, was prepared, I was prepared for it to be a very soft recommend. But as this discussion went on, I would just go ahead and give it a full-fledged, hard-on recommend. All right, look at that. There he goes. <laughs> I'm so glad because <laughs> I know you were really kind of like hesitant about getting into this. And yeah, I was. I was. All right, mom. I feel like this is obvious. You're starting to see the beauty in it. <laughs> yes, yes, of course, of course. I recommend it to my children. <laughs> yes. I was like, "Come on, children, sit. Let's learn something here." Don't Absolutely. Me. Yes, we we sat in front of that TV eating ice cream. Well, we had like pies, and we just went through all. Yeah, the- like listen, let me hip you. Listen, <laughs> sit down, <laughs> gather gather around, children. gather around for this. Yes, yes, and as the absolutely, as, and as said, child, I shall tell you right now. Rewatching it, it's definitely a recommend. This movie is really clever. Again, even. Even if there's some parts that don't age well, it's it's really it's still a good watch. Like I think the mystery is still encapsulating. It does, yeah. Like you guys said at the beginning, both of you guys said it just kind of keeps your brain entertained and not only entertained but just going. Like you're just really trying to figure it out. And then when you when that philosophy hits you, you're like, oh, oh, wait a minute, and you realize there's like multiple layers to just this first movie, just this first one. There are still nine more to go. Like yeah, this movie still works. It still it still hits. So yeah, it's definitely pretty basic recommend for me. I definitely recommend this movie. All right, guys, thank you again for joining me on another show. It was great having you both back. I love having you guys on this episode here because now I have my mom and one of my best friends on an episode together, and I can just listen to this anytime I want. <laughs> Yay! Thank you. That's awesome. Yes, yes. And thank you guys for listening to another episode. Like I said, I, I'm so glad that so many listeners have just kept up with us. Everything's been kind of wacky this year. Um, but it's for the best. It's for the better. This fall, we got a lot planned uh, as we're kind of ending up summer. We're kind of uh, we're going to be diving back into the past more, more than the future. 
Um, I definitely like. You know, I've been teasing all year. We're gonna kind of dive into some of the classic movies that we haven't done yet, namely Alien, Terminator. You know, we're gonna get into those that I feel like not a lot of people who have done the podcast have seen or have not watched them recently. And so we want to talk about those. But as of right now, for the remainder of August going into September, we will be covering the first. We'll be covering Saw 2, and then after that, we'll cover Saw 3. Um, we are going back to theaters. There's another murder mystery from the mustache himself, Hercule Poirot, as there's a haunting in Venice. Zarya, I really, really want you to come back for that one because we've done Death on the Nile and Murder, Murder on the Orient Express, and I know how much you just hate that mustache. Oh, I cannot <laughs> see how it looks, this movie. <laughs> Oh, yeah, there's tons of other stuff. I don't have the list in front of me, but I know we are definitely getting to we're getting back into the world of Scooby-Doo, which I can't wait for. We're doing Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island, one of my favorite all timers as well. Um, We're definitely doing some more stuff. Um, But, you know, we'll we'll see when it comes out. Um, We've got a lot of surprises coming up. Um, That being said, or thank you for listening to the Murder Board podcast. We'll catch you again on the Murder Board. But for right now, it's game over.